Welcome to episode one of Digging Into Diabetes. My name is Sophie Raphael and I'll be hosting this series. I'm currently a sophomore at the University of Michigan studying molecular biology and the sociology of health and medicine. I've taken a particular interest in diabetes. I find it to be a fascinating disease on a molecular level, but also a disease that highlights many issues with disparities in access in our healthcare system. While I hope to become an expert on it one day, at the moment I'm just a curious college student who wants to learn more. So I invite you to come along with me as I call on diabetes experts of all kinds for their experience and expertise, the information about diabetes that you can't get anywhere else. Because let's be real, if you're listening in, odds are pretty good that you can Google some statistics about diabetes. The goal here is to dive into the ungoogleable. In this series, I'm going to be examining diabetes through the lens of Kovler Diabetes Center at the University of Chicago Medicine. Kovler is unique in its holistic approach to diabetes. So what do I mean by holistic? Well, obviously all endocrinology or diabetes clinics have physicians to treat the condition itself, but at Kovler, physicians are just one piece of the puzzle. We have a health and wellness team made up of psychologists to help with the often overlooked mental health aspects of dealing with diabetes by providing in-clinic counseling or referring patients to a local psychiatrist or psychologist. A clinical nurse manager who oversees the endocrinology clinic to make sure that the staffing needs are met and the clinic runs smoothly. A social worker who works with physicians to help patients overcome any potential barriers that could impact their continuity of care or disease management. Certified diabetes care and education specialists who educate patients on disease management, nutrition, new technology, and help support them through their care regimen. And pharmacists who work diligently to ensure that medications are reasonably priced and covered by insurance, provide education on proper medication use, administration, and side effects, and follow up closely with patients to ensure that medication is working well for them. So how do we develop this holistic approach to diabetes care? Let's talk to the director of Kovler Diabetes Center himself, who takes us through a history of diabetes care here at the University of Chicago in order to understand how we got to where we are today. Well, I, I think the way to start is thinking about how the Diabetes Center actually started altogether. And the history of diabetes at the University of Chicago goes back you know, well over 100 years. There's a timeline outside our office which goes back to the very beginning of the university and some of the people who are interested in the cells that make insulin early on. But I think the modern era, you can say, probably starts with Dr. Steiner, who was my teacher. And from Dr. Steiner starting um, his efforts on the discovery of how insulin was made and how and that pro-insulin precedes insulin, there was a, a growing gr interest group, you might say, in diabetes research, which eventually included uh, Arthur Rubenstein, who w became chairman of medicine early on and worked with Don on uh, how C-peptide from insulin can be characterized. And then there were three other key figures who really were phenomenal in putting diabetes front and center at the University of Chicago, and that was, they were Howard Tager, who was chairman of biochemistry, and Dr. Mirmira's PhD advisor, who unfortunately passed away at an early age. Graham Bell, who uh, was in the Howard Hughes Medical Institute at the time and discovered, it seems like, dozens of genes that are involved in diabetes when he was recruited here by Steiner and Rubenstein. And then the partnership of Bell and Dr. Polanski, who is now our outgoing dean and vice president of the medical center. Those five people were instrumental in starting and keeping our Diabetes Research and Training Center, which was an NIH, NIDDK-supported 
research effort, mostly based on bench research, but one of only a few in the country. And that has kept to this day as an NIH-funded enterprise with now Dr. Bell and Dr. Mirmira organizing that. So a sixth person who was critical to starting up a diabetes center was Jonathan Jaspin, who along with Dr. Rubenstein and Dr. Polanski was also from Johannesburg in South Africa. And Jonathan became very interested in setting up the model center in diabetes and uh, was for a while director of the clinical research center, very interested in diabetes research and complications of diabetes. And on, sadly, he passed away as well. So Steiner, Rubenstein, Bell, and Polanski then continued the work, and I became a, uh, a fellow with uh, Dr. Steiner and worked with the others very closely, especially Bell and Polanski, early on. And though that was already now we're in the, um, in the 70s and 80s. And around um, then as we got into the 90s, and I had been a a, a fellow with, uh, with Dr. Steiner, I stayed on, worked with Dr. Rubenstein and Polanski, and developed both a clinical and a basic research program. So that was really the beginning of having a, a core group that would take us you know, into, the, into the 2000s. Um, at that point, um, Dr. Polanski left to become chairman of medicine at WashU, and we had a new chairman of medicine here, Skip Garcia, who along with Roy Weiss and one of our other uh, endocrinology senior faculty, Murray Favis, uh, thought a lot about what diabetes would look like. And at the time, we, de we had the Diabetes Research and Training Center as an NIH-funded um, research uh, um, core group. So, so the DRTC at the time funded uh, research and supported research by supporting cores, but didn't really have a clinical enterprise. In the beginning, there was the thought about a model diabetes clinic or unit that Jonathan Jaspin was involved with and Dr. Polanski, but um, that didn't really have legs that uh, translated very much into clinical practice, although perhaps the diabetes clinic in the within the endocrine section uh, took a lot of insight from that, from those ideas. But as we continued, and uh, as I say, Skip Garcia, Murray Favis were critically involved. Roy Weiss became uh, the chief of endocrinology. There was thought given to having a name diabetes center. So in those years, it was, um, there was no, uh, it was before the Kovlers were involved in the diabetes center per se, um, but we started up a, a model unit with some initial funding both from the Department of Medicine and from, the, from Jim Tyree, who was at that time chairman of Mesero and had been um, very involved with Dr. Polanski as a patient, as is now, I think, well known. Over time, the, um, the dean and the chairman wanted to recognize the amazing contributions of the Kovler family to the medical center. And with Jonathan's particular, in Jonathan Kovler's particular interest in diabetes, a, having, having the diabetes center named for, for, for them and their, and not only Jonathan um, and Sally, but also for Jonathan's parents who had also already donated a building to the university, which is still uh, on campus as the Kovler Virology Center. So the generosity of the Kovlers extends n into several generations. 
after a couple of years of, uh, of that diabetes center, which really was focusing on, on, the, on the really two aspects of improving clinical care, uh, making sure that we had outstanding diabetes educators, that we had ancillary services, and we were very interested in having a go-to group of, of uh, doctors and other providers who were well-versed in complications of diabetes. So we had go-to people for foot care, for cardiology, for renal disease, neurology, and so on. And at that point, hiring someone to be a the overall executive director seemed very reasonable, and so that was when I thought very hard about bringing Peggy Hasenauer back. She had been here as a nurse and transplant. We'd met. She'd left and had been gone for a couple of years, and I remember quite clearly telling her at her farewell party that if we ever had a job of sufficient quality, we would try to bring her back. And we, luckily enough, that's what happened, and that's now something like 16 years ago. So the the turns became that, that, that Skip, Roy, Murray asked me to be the first director of the Diabetes Center to make it into something that was interesting. And it really had these three or four different ideas. One was um, having leadership in diabetes care and building the best diabetes clinic that we could to uh, help the DRTC in clinical translational diabetes research, which some of the previous people I mentioned excelled as Dr. Polonsky and also um, other key people in our section, such as Dave Ehrman, uh, were absolutely key in, in uh, translational research at the time and a few other people who've since moved on. And the idea was that it, to, it needed to, to grow and with the continued gifts of the Kovlers and Jim Tyree and the Tyree family, that's in fact what happened. So I'm skipping over many years of continued growth, but the, the idea was to, to build it together. And then when, also at the same time, when Dr. Weiss was chief of endocrinology, we merged pediatric and adult endocrinology together. And I think that was, to some extent, making the best out of a difficult situation, frankly, but it turned out to be an extraordinarily great insight for us. Diabetes does not end at any particular stage. And so to be able to think about diabetes care across the lifespan was really critical. And to be able to sit in the clinic together with, so that adult and pediatric endocrinologists and diabetologists could sit basically side by side was really very different from almost any other diabetes center or endocrinology program in the country. So we benefit a lot from that experience. We also use that to benefit our patients by not having transitions to be a major problem. One of the difficulties as children with, say, type 1 diabetes get older is it's so different, they find, and the doctors find, when the children see now an adult endocrinologist. So by being in the same place, by seeing the same clinic and the same people, the, many of the difficulties in that transition are reduced. There's still the, all the other problems of different doctors and different systems and having people try to take care of their, of their own health care, which can take a very long time to learn, uh, but that really became one of our strengths. So over the years, we've really developed three diabetes centers at the University of Chicago, and I say we, I mean the faculty broadly, that we have still to this day the uh, NIDDK-supported diabetes, what's become the Diabetes Research Center with Dr. Bell and Dr. Mirmira.
There's the Chicago Diabetes Translational Research Center, which um, has been put together by Dr. Chen and his many wonderful colleagues, Dr. Wong, Dr. Peek, Dr. Lindau, and many others. I'm sure I could name half a dozen other people. That's become one of the leading centers for diabetes translational research in the world, and that was originally part of the Diabetes Research Center. So then it was split off by the NIDDK and has become a, a major force in its own right. And so together with what's become the Kovler Diabetes Center, which does some of those things and also helps with fundraising, program, outreach, as well as helping to uh, improve diabetes care here and around Chicago, those have become sort of the three aspects of diabetes research and care at the University of Chicago. That was a very in-depth explanation of how Kovler came to be Kovler. But now what I'm wondering is why? Why was there such a need for a holistic diabetes clinic at UChicago? What is it about diabetes that makes the holistic approach so important? So one of the things that makes taking care of people with diabetes so interesting and so difficult at the same time is how diabetes affects basically every aspect of life, not only every aspect of, 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 of physiology. So that to be narrowly focused on blood sugar control and insulin as, as one can get in type 1 diabetes or trying to get people to uh, have a diet and exercise and lose weight as you might try in type 2 diabetes that that really um, doesn't address some of the main core issues and it certainly doesn't address complications. So in order to do what we wanted to do in a, in a comprehensive way and to, to think about how it was done in other places around the country, that was really one of the driving forces of having uh, an outreach center that also looked inward so that we would be able to provide on the one hand uh, excellent diabetes educators and to have that as a major um, role of in, in the clinic um, to also have practitioners and uh, and trainees who were devoted to this global idea that this is a not only an individual problem and a multi-system problem and an emotional um, psych psychological problem but also one of families so we, we really focused a lot on um, the motivational and psychological aspects of diabetes as a chronic disease. And one of the things that stimulated me in that area was um, Lee Ducat, who was the founder of the what she called the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation, the JDF, which has now become the JDRF. And Lee was very interested in the motivational aspect. So that really was something that was missing. So over time, we included a health and wellness program in, in terms of the Diabetes Center. And I would say there's a if there were a couple of areas that really we, having the Diabetes Center allowed us to, to incorporate, the health and wellness program was a key aspect of that. So in, in, in originally, we worked with one of uh, our psychiatrists and had a couple of his fellows work just one or two days a week. But then with the success of the program and the importance of understanding depression, motivation, uh, other psychological and, psycho and psychiatric issues in management of diabetes, we expanded the effort to, um, to include a team of, of five psychologists under the direction of Dr. Tina Drosso. So starting that early on, and it's now been quite a few years since we had a, a basically an embedded um, psychology program, I think was a key 
change and, and something that having the Diabetes Center led us to do. We were able to get families to, to donate, so philanthropic support, to make the health and wellness program available without charge. That was also something that was really spectacularly different. And to make it so that it was available eventually, it's patients who are coming to the Diabetes Center. So in the beginning, we thought we would focus on kids and families with type 1, and where we knew that depression, anxiety, um, emotional support was critical. And then as we learned more, and even held a conference some years ago um, on, on this subject, we realized that many other factors, that the parents needed to be involved very closely, the other siblings needed to be involved. Part of the problem in having a child with a chronic illness is what happens to the other brothers and sisters, and they ought not to be involved. Sometimes they feel guilt, sometimes they feel anxiety, even jealousy. I'll never forget the child who said that they wanted to take insulin too because the sibling was getting all the attention. So, so that's a tragedy, and, and how, to, how to deal with that and how to help the parents deal with that was something that we really could not have addressed outside of the context of a, of a the, the, the concept of a, of a comprehensive diabetes center. The other example, in addition to health and wellness, oddly enough, is foot care. So one of the issues in complications of diabetes are the combination of factors of um, neurological disease, so neuropathies, decreased sensation, vascular disease, high blood sugars, which and un unfortunately can result in an increase in foot infections and then even more dramatically an increase in, in limb amputations. And it is a tragedy that on the south side we've made minimal progress as as a collective medical uh, approach to the entire south side of Chicago, we have not made uh, much inroad into decreasing the amputation rate over the last decade. However, what we did notice was that we were referring lots and lots of patients to podiatry. And for one reason or another, we didn't have a podiatrist at the university in those days. And there's a whole backstory there that we won't go into today. But after a while, I realized I was tired of getting huge fruit baskets from the private practice podiatrists in Hyde Park, and that the better way to go would be to have, in fact, a podiatrist in our clinic. At that time, there was not a universal acceptance of that idea in orthopedics, so we decided to hire our own. So I think that was one of the big inroads of having a diabetes center that we could convince other people to help us in that in that goal. So eventually the first podiatrist was was hired and that was Dr. Zamuda and that became a key part of the overall concept that we were there for all aspects of diabetes and that our patients with diabetes could see a foot specialist right in our clinic. So they didn't have to go anywhere else. Other clinics have, have tried to do this, to bring the doctors to the patients rather than have the patients go to all, you know, all, all over the medical center. And, and this was one of our big attempts to do that, to have uh, health and wellness and mental health resources right in the diabetes center without having to go anywhere, and to have podiatry and um, lower limb care also right in the clinic. Eventually, we were very lucky and had nothing to do with me, but we were able to bring Dr. Bacchus uh, back to the University of Chicago from Rush as a hypertension specialist. So even though he, his background is in nephrology, 
he joined us in endocrinology. And so then we had a whole local expertise within the diabetes clinic in, uh, in hypertension and kidney disease that really go hand in hand in diabetes, but also have, have separate important issues. Those were, I think, some of the key examples, um, but others were also very important. I mean, through the generosity of, of the Tyree family, we also built out a library. So pre-COVID, that was extremely helpful as a learning center for people with diabetes. Our diabetes educators could use that room and that space to, to have educational meetings. Once, once COVID happened, now you know, going on three years, that room obviously was, was used less and less. So now we have been engaged in rethinking what to do with that space, but it still exists and still can be used in smaller um, groups to, to help with diabetes education. The other sorts of programs, of which there are many, and, and I think Peggy Hasenauer has talked about that, was, was grants, for example, to increase the number of diabetes educators. And again, outside of a diabetes center, I don't think you know, we wouldn't have even been occurred to us to that that might be a possibility. So through the generosity of one of our families, we have a program to train nurses and other healthcare providers as certified diabetes education specialists. And there are just not enough of those folks anywhere in the world, let alone in Chicago. So having even a few people go through that program, and now there's quite a few, there's even a waiting list to, to have that credential. And it's a very difficult credential to have with uh, lots of book learning, um, learning about diabetes and ancillary issues in diabetes, and also a huge amount of time, a thousand hours of patient contact are normally needed before one can be certified. So having the ability to buy out some time of nurses and other folks um, for that credential has been really a, a key aspect of, of our training program. So, so having those sorts of support services through fundraising, through insights into what we can do with diabetes, uh, really, I think, could not have happened without having a diabetes center. So I, I think the, the needle has changed a little bit. I mean, on the other hand, there are so many people involved in uh, trying to improve diabetes care right now through the diabetes center. And one of them I haven't mentioned so far is Dr. Celeste Thomas, who was one of our fellows who is now involved in so many aspects of diabetes care, both in the hospital, uh, patients who are in the hospital, any place in the United States have a very difficult time with their diabetes being managed, especially if they have type 1 or if they're on insulin for other reasons. And so how to do a better job to prevent hypoglycemia, to be able to make sure insulin is given before meals, which sounds easy, but is next to impossible in the hospital environment, and how to put that together with the different specialties, not only endocrinology, but also people in primary care and, and general internal medicine who in fact see most of the people with type 2 diabetes. That's something that Dr. Thomas has been very involved in. She also has now been uh, working very hard the last few years on a program she named Equi-T1D, which again, I think without having a diabetes center support probably wouldn't have happened. And Equi-T1D is designed to address the inequities in healthcare from every different angle for underserved communities. So if you're black on, and young on the south side with type 1 diabetes, the likelihood is that you'll be blind and renal failure and then dead by the time you're in your 30s. 
And I think a lot of us have gotten not only very sad, but very tired of, of not being able to reach folks who are in the hospital essentially all the time with diabetic ketoacidosis or other complications of diabetes. So to, to have Dr. Thomas come up with this idea and then implement it and then have pilot programs which we could help fund and then eventually write grants to support the program, make it a research effort that, that could be emulated elsewhere, that, that again I think is a, a very big win for our diabetes center. With many examples of how Kovler Diabetes Center has expanded the level of care that we're able to provide to patients, let's hear from Peggy Hassenauer, our Executive Director, and Sally Kovler, the Chair of our Leadership Board, about how Kovler came to be Kovler from their point of view. So I was grateful and honored to be contacted after working at the medical center for many years and then leaving for a couple of years. Um, I was contacted by Dr. Philipson uh, early in, in 2006 to discuss the, the possibility of putting together a diabetes institute, if you will, that was really unmatched and unparalleled with what we were seeing in the Midwest um, and, and really to be on par with other premier diabetes centers throughout the country that focused on research and care. What was exciting about it, um, the, the prospect for me was um, Dr. Philipson was asking me if I would be interested in possibly coming back to help him put this together uh, to come back to the university, which I was super excited about um, as, a, as a nurse first and uh, an educator and um, research uh, professional. This was a really interesting endeavor. And I had had um, some experience in sales and marketing that allowed me to um, really develop some skills in some areas that could be really beneficial as an, a director or executive director. So at about that time, Sally was talking to the university. And Sally, I would love for you to share a little bit more about um, your, you know, interactions and friendship with Dr. Polanski and how this all came to be on your end. Okay, sure. It's my pleasure. Um, well, my husband is a type 1 diabetic, and he got diabetes at age 40 from kind of nowhere. Uh, no family history, just boom. And we had a lot to learn and went down a couple different pathways and wound up at the University of Chicago, which we are thrilled to have landed there. And John's first doctor was Dr. Rubenstein, who eventually left and Kenneth Polanski became his doctor, who we are crazy about. We've been very fond of all the doctors that we've had to deal with. And uh, currently he sees David Ehrman and he's thrilled with him. And, um, Peggy and I were actually at a dinner one night and we were discussing the program at the University of Chicago. And I said, do you have a board? Do you have someone who helps you fundraise and in a whole different aspect from the medical end of it, it just helps in a different way to put it on the map a little bit. And she said, no, we, we'd love to have a board. And I said, let's do it. So that's how we kind of came together to go to the next step which was forming a board, which is a small board. And it's it's small and mighty. And we've gone through some transitions. And we now have a very young board, which is great. Um, and we're, we're excited about it. We're excited about the different things we're doing. So at about that time, uh, when Sally mentioned this concept of developing a board, we started the Kovler Diabetes Center in 06. And then um, over the course of, of these last 16 years, we've been able to really develop 
um, what is now one of the largest diabetes centers now for both pediatric and adult care and research and education throughout the country. Um, so we're, we're really proud that in the last 16 years, we've essentially built the Kovler Diabetes Center from scratch, but really um, built it upon 100 years of amazing diabetes research and care that had been going on at the university but it needed to sort of come under one umbrella. And we have lots of aims uh, in the research, care, and education space. And then, of course, a, a space that's really near and dear to us that we've focused a lot on in recent years is community engagement. Um, how do we engage the community in conversations around diabetes prevention and care? And what are some services that we can provide um, to people who are really struggling with diabetes? Mrs. Kovler mentions her husband, John, and the care that he's received here at the University of Chicago, but I'm curious to learn more about how they got involved with diabetes. Well, I got involved 100% because of my husband. I obviously was aware of diabetes, but it had never hit home before. And once he got uh, diagnosed with type 1, it was it was a real shock, and it, it really led us down a road to figure out how best to manage this. How do we get involved? What can we do? How can we help other people who are in a similar situation and children also from a pediatric point of view as well. And because we feel so close to the University of Chicago, that was a natural for us to be there and to get involved in that way. But Mrs. Kovler's involvement didn't just end as soon as Kovler was founded. More than 16 years later, Mrs. Kovler has stayed very involved with the Diabetes Center. So let's hear from her about what that involvement looks like these days. Sure. Um, well, our involvement in the very beginning was actually forming a board. So Peggy and Dr. Phillipson have been very helpful in reaching out to some of their patients and associates. Uh, we had some physicians on our board. We have Dr. Graham Bell is on our board, which we are thrilled about. And um and then we've reached out to sort of friends of friends. It still has stayed a small board and everyone on the board has a direct relationship to diabetes in one way or another. And many of the people are philanthropic and in other endeavors in the city, but we really ask that this be one of their top three priorities if they're going to join our board. Um, we've we've grown, we've we've learned some things along the way. There were a few bumps in the road, but we we've gone over them and we've done really well. We've um, developed a couple of very interesting programs, something called Salon Kovler, which is um, an academic or educational program that we do where we have some wonderful speakers come. We get about 100 people there. Um, we also have a gala a, a few times. We haven't done many of them, but these have been, especially because of COVID, we've had to stop that but we, we are hoping to plan one in the not too distant future because that's a wonderful way to raise awareness and raise funds. So those are some of the ways. And I, actually there's one other thing I will, rec I will uh, talk to you about, which is the combination or the sort of cross-pollination of meditation and diabetes. And I'm really proud that we did a, a fantastic program in May um, about that, both for educators and for patients with diabetes and their families to talk about the impact and how helpful it can be to meditate, make use of meditation as part of your health regime. Absolutely. I, I think that's so true. Um, Sally is one of the sort of one of a, a really um, unique and special 
group of individuals, um, not only in Chicago, but throughout the U.S., that she and her husband are both um, incredibly philanthropic and generous with their funds, which really, uh, in, in 2006, helped start the Kovler Diabetes Center and build out this amazing research space we have. But they've continued to be involved in very personal ways, um, like the Meditation and Diabetes Program that we hosted this summer, uh, like all previous galas. Um, there isn't anything we don't perhaps need advice on, or I have a thought about that I can't call Sally and say, hey, what do you think? Um, and again, that's really unique. There's there's only a handful of individuals um, that are really both incredibly philanthropic and incredibly kind and accessible in doing the, the small things and the big things that need to be done to run a diabetes center not so much from an operation standpoint, but really what is our strategy? What is our focus? How do we want to support people moving forward? And how can we make those things happen? Um, and I'm, I'm just so grateful and honored that Sally's been our chair all these years and that she and her husband so involved, where uh, we're able to contact them at any point and say, hey, what do you guys think? We're thinking about hosting an event or we're thinking about trying this in the community. And they're really open to it. Um, it's just been, it's been a blessing for us. To me, it sounds like a lot of Kovler's success is a result of this partnership that Peggy describes. So I want to know how Peggy and Mrs. Kovler developed such a successful partnership. Well, I would first say it's based on friendship. And we'd start with that because with Peggy and with Brad and development, we have a, a, a very close relationship. We're friends. So that is a wonderful starting point for, for anything. We do feel very comfortable saying, hey, that is not going to work. I don't think there's anything that we wouldn't say to each other and nobody's feelings would get hurt. We have a very friendly relationship. It's just like buddies. Um, and that makes for a lot of success because we're on the same page a lot and we're open to new things and we're open to keeping some of the things we've been doing all along that have the name on it and the name recognition to continue them so people know that they can depend on certain things from us. So I think it's um, I think it's been really a, a very easy relationship for me, and I think it does nothing but help uh, breed success for the center. I I so appreciate that, Sally, and I think that's so true that we've developed such a lovely partnership and friendship over the years. And I think that uh, one of the things that's been really powerful in terms of working with you as a, a board chair and with our, our leadership board, as well as our leaders, you know, Dr. Phillipson, Dr. Mermira, uh, Dr. Ron Cohen, who's our section chief, there really isn't any ego. It isn't, this is my agenda. That's this right. is what I do, or these are my people that I want to help with this type of diabetes and not this type of diabetes. There, there really is no ego in this. And it is a true um, collaborative partnership where we are all focused on what is best for the Kovler Diabetes Center, what is best for the patients that we serve both locally and nationally, what is best for our communities, and what really is going to sustain us over time. And oftentimes that means we focus on a particular area. This this last year, for instance, was all about mental health and diabetes, which was incredibly impactful to not only our patients, but ourselves um, in healing ourselves from, a, you know, from the standpoint of we're, you know, perhaps some, some of those folks that are burned out in our professional life and, and need some, some hope and support, just like our patients do. That's been really powerful. Mental health and diabetes has been a fantastic area that we can look at across the board and say, 
we can help people with type one, type two, genetic forms of diabetes, people who are pregnant, family members. Uh, that's been incredible. And maybe next year we will create a different theme and a different plan. Um, but it means that we're able to support as many people as possible without siloing ourselves or particular groups. So I'm, I'm just really proud of that. I just think that that's been really one of the hallmarks of our work is that we really come together so beautifully. Sure enough, even in my short time with Kovler, this teamwork and collaboration has really stood out to me. So let's hear from another important person who makes up this Kovler team. Dr. Mirmira is a professor of medicine in the section of endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism here at the University of Chicago. He runs the Mirmira Lab, a lab dedicated to understanding the biology of islet cells as it pertains to the development of diabetes. If that sounds interesting to you, stay tuned because we have a whole episode coming up dedicated to beta cells where we'll hear much more about his work. But for now, let's hear about how Dr. Mirmira came to Kovler and brought research with him. Yeah, I was uh, recruited to the University of Chicago about two and a half years ago, and I was the director of the Diabetes Center at Indiana University at the time. And so when I got here, in part, my recruitment was, you know, affected really by Kovler. Uh, but beyond that, you know, the institution recruited me because they knew I was an established diabetes researcher who had a history here at the University of Chicago because I, I did my early research here as part of my graduate studies. And, um, and so, you know, in some ways it was a homecoming and in other ways it was really designed to sort of boost and build um, research in the Kovler. As I mentioned, this is not the last that we'll hear from Dr. Miramira, but I wanted to introduce him early on since his research here has proven so significant to Kovler's mission. Our last guest for this episode is going to be Dr. Cohen. Dr. Cohen is the chief of the section of endocrinology, diabetes, and metabolism, and he's here to talk about how Kovler's fit into the larger picture of endocrinology at the University of Chicago. I mean, I think Kovler fits into um, endocrinology in a larger piece um, in multiple ways. I mean, the first is just by the fact that Kovler is focusing on patients with diabetes. Diabetes is such a core part of what we are and what we do as endocrinologists. And whether it's the, uh, all the things they're doing related to uh, the, the clinic and, and, and helping out there or with outreach into the community or the research that's going on in Kovler, that's just a central part of who we are in endocrinology. But the other thing to remember is the fact that Kovler has developed um, a research infrastructure that other uh, clinical investigators within the section of endocrinology are able to take advantage of as they do their own clinical research, especially if they don't have their own uh, clinical, you know, research nurses or uh, other people that are that they already um, have access to. They can interact with people at Kovler and um, and get some help and assistance in their own studies. So I think Kovler is really a core part of both endocrinology in terms of its work specifically with diabetes, but also in the broader picture as well. Interestingly, Dr. Cohen himself focuses more on thyroid disorders than diabetes. So even though his clinical scope falls more under the branch of endocrinology generally, he's still heavily involved with Kovler. Here's how. My involvement with Kovler is first being one of the faculty members that's involved in, 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 in working with Kovler directly, the Kovler Diabetes Center directly. And then my research, even though clinically I mostly see patients with thyroid disorders, my research is uh, very relevant to the mission of Kovler because 
my research focuses on fat cells, on adipocytes, and their role in insulin resistance and diabetes. And uh, so that's a, that in itself is a major part of what Kovler is doing. So I think of myself as very much part of the Kovler Diabetes Center. I have one last question for Dr. Cohen. So of course I'm not gonna make it an easy one. I say to him, knowing two in 10 people on the South side of Chicago have diabetes, what more can we be doing to support our South side community? Not even necessarily on the level of Kovler, but as physicians in general who have a duty to serve their community. Yeah, I mean, I think there are just so many people living with diabetes on the South side of Chicago that um, on one hand, we try to have a comprehensive clinic uh, as part of endocrinology that we can treat as many patients as possible that want to be seen at the University of Chicago, but we also need to be um, you know, ad ad advocating for people even outside of our own clinical interests, our own research interests. We need to make sure that treatments for diabetes stay affordable, that, you know, that, that ways that one can, can, you know, treat diabetes with, with you know, in, in order to be able to eat the right types of foods with diabetes, you need to have access to those foods. And so there's been issues with healthy food choices in neighborhoods in the south side of Chicago. So we need to advocate for our patients, not only in terms of patients that we're seeing in our own clinic, or research that we're doing in our own laboratories, but also in the larger picture of, of, of how we can help the larger community uh, take care of, of, of either their own diabetes or with family members with diabetes. I think that Dr. Cohen's words really sum up why Kovler sets out to do what it does. At the end of the day, we have a duty to serve our community, especially our vulnerable populations. That brings this episode to a conclusion, but this series is far from over. I wanted to give you all a framework for the topics that we will discuss in episodes to come, an understanding of the bigger picture before we dive into the specifics. From here on out, we'll be discussing things like healthcare disparities and diabetes care, mental health and diabetes, medical technology, and much more. I hope you'll join me in the next episode as we explore diabetes in two particularly vulnerable populations, the young and the elderly. 